Dear Dimwitty, are you out there? Can you hear us? We hope you're doing okay. You've missed so much, Dimwitty. We need to catch you up on everything that's happened in DuckTales. We're here to recap and discuss each episode of DuckTales 2017 for the benefit of our close personal friend, Dimwitty Duck, who was last seen on October 12th, 2011 in the comic Dangerous Currency. If you're out there, Dimwitty, we're coming for you. Just hold on. Hello, and welcome to Dear Dimwitty, a DuckTales recap podcast. I'm Monty. <laughs> and I'm Marty. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you haven't um haven't claimed the, the host position for yourself. Um, you have not, uh, right out the gate, um, shut I, me out of this two-person operation. I've been humbled. I've been humbled. <laughs> Recent events. Um... <laughs> Um, but yes, welcome back to our podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. Yeah, this episode we are looking at the impossible summit of Mount Everest. And if that if that seems like the wrong episode, um, you should look at the updated intended viewing of the episodes. A, a lot of websites, and I think previously Disney uh, Disney Plus had it listed so that the Great Dine Chase was the next episode, but. The intended, the intended viewing order, uh, official by Frank, is uh, Mount Everest up next. Yeah, so that's what we'll be covering this week. And then next week, we'll be doing the Great Dime Chase. Indeed. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> I, love, I love that episode. Um, I can't wait mm-hmm. to meet Gyro. Oh, my our God, friend. yes. And it's also um, where, the, where the Della storyline gets, gets, uh, yeah. gets its legs. Yeah, uh, we got a lot to look forward to. Do we have any news this week? Um, I, I, I suppose. I suppose by the time this episode comes out, the new episode will have actually. Um, oh fuck! Because uh, we record ahead of time, we don't have anything to say about the new episode because we haven't seen it yet. Um, hello from a few days in the past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully that's going to be good. I'm excited for the new episode. That should be um very fun. We've got Magic. We've got Gladstone. Ah. Uh, Two classics. We've, we've got. We've, We've got Giancarlo Esposito as the Phantom Blot, which oh, fuck is a yes. very incredible casting decision that I am so excited about. Do you want to make any theories that will immediately get disproven so that we look like idiots? Mm, yeah, well, we okay. I'm terrible at theory crafting. Is the bad is like the, the the problem here? Oh, I've um, never, I've I never, know. I've never earnestly done theories in my life because I'm <laughs> I'm too complacent. <laughs> I don't uh, really care about what's happening next. <laughs> I think the only serious theory, theorizing stuff I've done was when me and Raven went insane about it for Welcome to Night Vale, and then we were proven wrong instantly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a very good track record. Um, I think, I mean, just kind of wide-ranging things. Um, I would love, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it would be very funny if we got like a Magicka and Gladstone-like even just kind of like a joke of a romance plot. That would be hilarious. That would be a very funny nod to the comics. That would um, be very funny. I do like, in general, if they kind of introduce the comics, a kind of running thing of uh, Gladstone getting kidnapped by witches. I think yes, that, that I think be that him being kind of, kind of uh, continuously harassed by various magical mm-hmm. women is very funny. Um, <laughs> I think um, 
personally for me, I would love it if uh if this episode kind of um cemented Magica as no longer a threat, so now she could be a bit of a joke villain because I think that's fantastic. I would love Magica to just be like the yeah. terrible try hard evil aunt who they see sometimes. That would make me smile. I think that's very likely because I think it's been kind of set up with her working at Funzo's and stuff. Like she's been thoroughly defanged. Uh, yes. With all the and the nightmare episode, you know, she's kind of it's kind of been made very clear that she's no longer a threat. Mm-hmm. So all she needs now is to be kind of reintroduced to the to the cast in a in any kind of way where they have to collaborate for whatever reason. I mean, it looks like they do have to in this new episode, which is great. Um... Yeah. So then she's pretty much set to become evil aunt. Their evil aunt Magica. Very, very mm-hmm. excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's been any other um news happening. Oh, it was Lost Birthday. That's right. That's our big Oh theme. yes. Um, our theme for this episode. Our theme for this episode is um Happy Birthday Lunch by McQuite. Yeah. He turned thirty three. He's thirty three. Yeah, eighty he's thirty three. Um he was he was born on was born on the um, 18th of September 1987, which is the original, uh, the air date of the original um, DuckTales uh, cartoon. Yeah. So um, there's a very cute, like, uh, Easter egg that appears in, uh, I think, a later episode. If you look at his driver's license. Yeah, so um, our perfect boy is 33 years old. He's 33. <laughs> but um, in the canon of the show, he's going to be 29 for quite a while. So enjoy it while you can, Lost Pat. Mm. Staving off your thirty. I wish Launchpad was on um Forbes thirty under thirty. <laughs> <of media> luminaries. <laughs> that would be excellent. He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> crashing. All right, so it's Launchpad's birthday, or it was mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. Well, by the time this comes out, it definitely will be a few days ago. Unfortunately. Oh yeah, but we're keeping that in mind as we as we look at this episode. And throughout, exactly. the, and throughout our episode, um, we're going to be celebrating Launchpad. We are going to be celebrating Launchpad. Unfortunately, this is not one of his um, this is not one of his best days. But you know, <laughs> he's not shining his brightest here. No, um, but that's fine. Shall we get into our episode? Let's get into the episode. Right, the impossible summit of Mount Everest. So. The pilot introduced us to the cast with a focus on mm-hmm. the boys because they're new characters. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode kind of fleshed out Webby, Donald, and Beakley. Mm-hmm. But we still have two main characters who are introduced in the pilot that we haven't gotten to know. So Scrooge and Launchpad. Mm-hmm. So guess what's happening Indeed. this week? We're getting to know Scrooge and Launchpad. Yeah. Um, which, when compared to the kind of original viewing order of The Great Giant Chase coming now, it makes sense to introduce us to Scrooge in the context of an adventure rather than in the context of his business, which is how yes. it would be if the Grim Giant Chase came next. Yes. So, like, this is what Scrooge is, first and foremost. He's an explorer, uh, and a bad one at that, because uh, <laughs> he got a guy killed. This episode is grim. Yes. This episode is really grim. I've made a lot of all caps notes being like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's um, so dark. It's, like, really fucked it- up. It's fucked up. Like, okay, so it, it, we open on on Scrooge uh, explaining Mount Everest, which is um the the tallest mountain in the world. Obviously, Mount Everest, but mm-hmm. dovetails this time. Um, like in the first like sentence of of his narration, he's like, "It's the deadliest peak in the world." Like, yeah, right out the gate, we have we are mentioning just like people dying 
while yeah. mountain climbing. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also how they're spending Christmas. Yeah. That was insane. Why is this a Christmas episode? I know. They could have just not have it be Christmas. I hope Donald's doing okay that his kids have been taken away from him from Christmas and taken to a death mountain. I don't. Like, I don't. Un- why? Genuinely, why is this a Christmas episode? I can't see any reason for I this can't. to be a Christmas episode. I guess, like, the family dynamic between Scrooge and the kids and Webby and the kids probably hasn't been fleshed out to the point that they can really do a Christmas episode with all of them together. And also, the problem being is that, like, then they have to pick not to do a Christmas episode entirely, but then that raises the question when we get to later Christmas episodes, well, what did we do for Christmas last year? Mm. So they can just kind of not do Christmas, or we're going to have to have an episode where... They either celebrate an incredibly awkward Christmas with Scrooge or where Donald and the kids celebrate a separate Christmas on the houseboat, mm-hmm. which would be kind of sad, but it could be like, it could be a nice episode. It's a nice episode concept that like it would show us kind of how the kids have been living up to this point and this is another Mm -hmm. look into their lives pre-Scrooge of like how they celebrate Christmas and you could have a whole episode about like they're kind of learning how to to celebrate a holiday with Scrooge um, as well as Donald but instead they decide to just kind of skate over the whole Christmas aspect entirely by bringing them to a death mountain yeah it's an interesting decision certainly like I like very fascinating to me that they mentioned that this is a Christmas episode and then don't do anything Christmassy at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, I mean, like, there, there is there is possible, like, there is reasons to do that. Like, it could be for the sake of placing this on a timeline or showing, you know, like, the passage of time. But then mm. this is the third episode, so it feels, it just feels very strange, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, like, even looking at the yeah. um, original, like, air date, this was, I think this one was aired in December, mm-hmm. but like at the start of December. So it's not like it was a, this was not like a December 20th, you know, actually mm-hmm. coinciding with the real life holiday or, or near as or whatever. But um, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It could have just been like a winter themed episode for winter. Mm. And like, it, it doesn't even have to be winter themed because I mean, they're going to a mountain. Yeah. Very interesting decision that, um kind of has no bearing on anything i mean it's fine like it doesn't really it doesn't really affect the episode in any way it's just a very i don't really know why they chose to point that out it does like if you read into it to set up a little bit of like resentment for donald later on that he didn't get to spend christmas with his kids that scrooge kind of whisked them away yeah and also it sets up in the here and now that louis would much rather not be here he doesn't want to go on this trip he wants to spend christmas in a huge expensive mansion because who doesn't and he's in general uh, pretty dismissive of the whole let's go on a let's go up a mountain where people are famous for dying um yeah as a bunch of 10 year olds i don't think it's a good idea yeah yes exactly i mean yeah i think louis really has the most realistic reaction out of any of the kids here mm. um in that he doesn't want to really be doing this um because uh huey is um, here to get his Junior Woodchuck cartography badge because um, obviously if nobody has ever reached the summit of Mount Everest then nobody has ever um, you know uh, mapped it so he's going to be the first to do that Yeah. Um, so he has like a reason to do this 
And it, he does justify it by saying, I mean, there's really not many places left in the world that haven't been mapped. So it does kind of make sense that you have to go to real like extremes to find something for, you know, something that, that nobody has ever, nowhere, somewhere that nobody has ever been before. I do really like Huey noting how ridiculous and possible a good deal of the junior woodchuck badges are to get. Like, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck? It's a little bit insane. It's a bit of um, it's a very interesting organization that um, children are a part of. Yeah, and um, this is also kind of the main setup of Huey's character as a, as a junior woodchuck in capitals. Um, yes. we had a mention of it in in the pilot, but this is where he's kind of revealed to be someone who both kind of values his membership of the organization very highly and uses it as kind of a guide. Yes. Yes. And um, in the original DuckTales, all three of the boys were in the Junior Woodchucks. Um, yeah. Because that was just kind of, because again, they were the same person. Mm-hmm. So it's, ni- it's nice that Huey kind of has, it's nice that Huey has something outside of his brothers, I guess. Yeah, because for a character like Huey, he could very easily have that become his kind of main character trait as becoming the older brother, mm. um, the projective one. So the fact that he is that, but then also has his own kind of passion and his own that he devotes himself to is uh, is nice. It's a it's it rounds about. Yeah, it's really good. And so this is definitely um this is a Huey episode, by the way. Um, oh yeah, it is. This is this is a Huey and Scrooge episode. Um, everybody else is just kind of comic relief, which is fine. Um, I have a couple things here for this first scene. Mm-hmm. For one thing, we get our first mention of the Santa Santa hatred. Which I really yes. like. Where Scrooge just says he knows what he did. He knows what he did. It's delightfully spiteful. Um, <laughs> and it really sets up Scrooge for the rest of the episode as being just like absolutely this horrible, spiteful old man who will not let go of a grudge. He is a crookedy old bitch. He does not forgive and forget. He neither forgives absolutely nor not. forgets. Um, <laughs> so. I also really liked how Huey's cute little woolen hat slash baseball cap reminded me very dearly of Fethry. Yeah! Oh, that is cute. It's very oh. sweet. I did I did um I did mention there um they all have kind of like matching but not identical snow outfits. Um which is which is just like it's very nice that this show is kind of um consistent with separating the kids um via outfits. Mm-hmm. Where in like in in situations where in the original cartoon they would have, you know, the same outfit in different colors for every single situation, and then Webby would like have like a skirt or a bow. Mm-hmm. They all have kind of the same style, or, or the same like you know general theme of outfit here, but it's slightly different for each of them. Like um, Louis got his cute like kind of onesie thing, which is very very nice, very comfy. Um, yeah, yeah. Um. They look very warm. They're very, very cute in their little snow outfits. I do like it. Mm. And we also get um uh Huey and Scrooge kind of having this bonding moment of um uh you know, exploring and discovering things and it's the knowledge of yeah. it um that they're both kind of interested in is discovering something that nobody else has ever discovered and like uh making the discovery rather than going on the adventure is what Huey's yeah. excited about. They're both very passionate about the same thing here, and they kind of share that passion, which earns kind of Huey some respect in Scrooge's eyes. Yeah, he was Scro- Scrooge giving him he, the um the the old surveying uh the old um what was it his old surveying tools the, the mm. um which which was um rusty with the wisdom of experience. Yeah, 
But also, in the same scene, Scrooge is dismissive of the kind of safety equipment that Huey's brought. And he kind of doesn't really care about being yes. safe at all. And this is a trying to continue thread this, of this episode is Scrooge overcompensating for his past failure and trying to kind of establish himself as someone who doesn't rely on equipment or overburden himself to the point yes. where he is endangering those himself and those around them. And then we get the reveal that this whole conversation has been taking place while the plane was crashing <laughs> in a snow banquet launch by digging them out. Yes. And hello, birthday boy. Um, Hi. This is a very nice kind of like a setting the scene of launch pads crashed the plane, but none of them really care because this has happened before. This will happen again. It's, it's just kind of what happens when you fly with launch pads. They're not really worried. Yeah, um, because no one gets hurt. This is, this exactly. is the... Uh, this is the pattern with going somewhere with Launchpad, is that you go somewhere in the plane and it's fine for the first time, and then just before you have to land, you buckle in because then you crash, and then Launchpad <laughs> doesn't come with you on the adventure because he has to spend the whole time back to the plane fixing it up so that it's ready in time for you to go again. <laughs> um, so, so Scrooge is kind of leading them out, um, yeah. kind of extolling the virtues of this this beautiful landscape where, you know very few people ever go and you know he specifically says like it's untouched by man um <laughs> I, I do i, I think man. i like it when they say like man and humanity on this show it's very funny to me yeah but screwed is kind of going on and on about how beautiful and untouched and um serene and you know isolated this place is and then they uh get to the top of the hill and they look down and it's all tourism baby it's all tourism yeah the tourist trap has been profiting up the mountain's deadly reputation and the relative success of george mallardy George Mallory. Okay, so Huey explains that Mallory got further up the mountain than anyone to date, but died after rescuing an incompetent fellow climber at the Neverest Ninny. This is all fine. What I want to point out is the absolutely insane choice to have a version of George Mallory who is both a duck and an asshole. Right? So he dies horribly. And the real George Mallory, from my very limited reason, wasn't as much of a dick as he was portrayed in DuckTales. So I have no idea why they made him like evil and then die horribly i there is there is um you know there is a precedent for ducktales making like historical figures into ducks or you know Mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. animals something it's some it feels very something about making this man who died climbing mount everest into a duck who was an asshole and then died climbing mount everest feels a little bit hello yeah, and it's the butt of jokes by Scrooge throughout the episode. It's very strange. And it's also very strange. Also, the whole 75-year anniversary thing is a reference to how it took 75 years after Mallory's, Mallory, Mallory's disappearance to find his body. Really? Grim. That is grim. Oh my... I yeah. didn't know that was... Oh my god. Yeah, so he was, he was, <laughs> climbing, he was climbing with a... With this guy Irvin, and um, they both disappeared and weren't found for 75 years. Uh, Irvine, I think, has never been found, but uh, Mallory was found at the bottom of like the snow thing, and the idea basically being that he had, on the descent, the whole thing about George Mallory, right, is that nobody actually knows whether he did reach the summit, because mm-hmm. it's all theorizing. It's all theory, based on the fact that he was descending part of the mountain when he fell and died yes um what i find hilarious is that some people there's a lot of like theorists about like people who are really into everest um 
you know, theorizing based on the equipment and the amount of oxygen and all this kind of stuff, whether he actually did make it to the top or not. Um, what I find what I find really good is one person who said that it doesn't really, it's not really relevant whether Mallory actually made it to the top or not, because as far as he's concerned, part of kind of conquering a mountain involves getting back alive. <laughs> yeah, that seems like um, an important step. Yeah, like, it doesn't actually matter if you reach the top, you have to get back down. Um, yes. So, uh, anyway. So, the mm. fact that the whole 75-year thing is a reference to Mallory's not just not just life but death is incredibly grim that that is a little bit insane and also the fact that they later find his body 75 years right? after he disappeared like okay so the whole Scrooge got a fellow explorer killed with his incompetence thing is a tremendously dark storyline that Scrooge is like bristling against at every turn. He he's trying to he's kind of refusing to make it as dark as it is. I like obviously this is skipping ahead a little bit, but the fact that these this group of ten year olds and their one hundred and fifty year old great uncle find a dead body. And none of them are like, none of them have seemed very affected by it. They're like, yeah. hmm, well, it's insane. What? <laughs> it's the adventure thing. It's like finding, if, if it was an actual corpse, it would have been fucked up because it's a skeleton. It's like, ah, oh, adventures, skeletons, <laughs> set dressing. But yeah. Um, also, we get this absolutely hilarious line. Again, another... Another uh, another nail in George Mallory's coffin. George Mallory, he died as he lived, freezing. <laughs> this episode of Jetus is so fucked up. This episode is so dark. It's so grim. It's so it's incredible. I we went from like last episode, the kids went to the arcade and got kidnapped, which is, you know, it's kind of standard, like, kids' action-adventure cartoon fare. So that's that's pretty much fine. There was no real, like, threat of, like, death or anything at any point. We're just talking about people dying on Mount Neverest and finding their corpses. It, it, at no point is this, like, ever been, like... This is not ever remarked upon as, like, this is so dark. It's just kind of like, yeah, this is just another adventure. Even though this is, like, Scrooge personally, like participated in this yeah this is scrooge's like history here and also they added context now that it's christmas and that this is how they're spending their christmas is for one thing (laughs) the fact that they're like certainly going to die on death mountain these 10 year olds are gonna fucking die secondly the fact that they are like following the footsteps of an explorer who died horribly and then they find that explorer who died horribly and he's dead is like so okay. We have to ugh, we have to move on. This episode we is have, very we have, we, have to, we have to reel back. We can talk more about finding a corpse when we actually get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're still we're still in the yeah. tourist. We're still we're still in yeah. civilization. Um, and we get Webby continuing to learn how to be a real girl. Yeah. Um, she wants to cross something off her bucket list, which is sledding. But Dewey wants her sled to be really worth it, so they insist that they wait mm-hmm. until the perfect moment and they go together. Um, it's just a very cute Dewey and Webby moment. It's kind of building off um, their kind of closer relationship than anyone else in Daytrip of Doom to establish yes. them as like 
closer friends than the rest of the cast. Yeah, and we have, again, this return of uh, Dewey wanting specifically to reach out and help her have the experiences that, you know, he thinks all kids should have. Yeah, um, yeah, and doing inter- it in a, Interesting in... that he thinks that all kids deserve to sled down a huge mountain, but... Um, yeah, and what I really like fine. is Dewey and Webby bonding and sharing their deep-rooted desire to die young doing something really, really cool. <laughs> and or die trying what yeah. a line from doofed duck as far as webby and dewey are concerned dying isn't such a big deal as long as you were doing something really really cool when it happened exactly. um so <laughs> sliding down mount everest is excellent and given the like the facts that we have they're gonna die on the mountain anyway so you might as well be <laughs> sledding down it <laughs> Like, I can't express yeah. enough how much this mountain is a death sentence. I, like... That these children are going to. I have to, like, I have to imagine that Donald does not know where they're going. Like, oh, absolutely. Scrooge like, did not tell Donald where they were going. Scrooge stole his kids on Christmas and took them to a death mountain where they're certainly going to be killed. I can't imagine how this came about. The fact the. the Donald can't ever be, Donald cannot be in this episode. There is no version of the episode where Donald is in it and it functions because. Oh, he, no, not at all. He would not let any of this happen. As an actual adult and not a baby in the form of an old man, um, <laughs> he would not let a old man take a bunch of kids to their certain dooms for the sake of his own ego. So. Um, meanwhile, Launchpad goes shopping and he gets grifted by a shopkeeper who is using the specter of Ice Fever to sell him a ridiculous amount of overpriced garbage. Um, Ice Fever, as a stand-in for hypothermia, which is a very real thing. It's very funny that the, the kind of the, the, the level of deadliness of this environment goes very up and down according to, like, you know, which story we're following because yeah. these kids are going to die on the mountain. Hypothermia is real. Like you will, is real. Launchpad will die on this mountain. That's not like an exaggeration. This this um scam artist does not need to lie. Yeah, he could just say I uh, hypothermia instead of ice fever, and he would be like totally right. Like it's fine. Almost, <laughs> he's not really doing that much wrong. Um, this is Death I mean, Mountain it, we're talking about. This is Death Mountain. I mean, yes, he is, you know, he's overcharging. Yeah. But it, it, it's good the Launchpad has this equipment, honestly. The only thing saving Launchpad here is the fact that he doesn't actually go up the, launch, uh, go up the mountain. Exactly. So, the party get ready to begin their ascent, only for Louis to realise there's no treasure at the end of the journey. So he dips. And he instantly ducks out. I love this. Yeah, and he goes out in favor of getting a hot chocolate, and the rest of the group start their climb. So Louis cementing himself as the kid who's got his priorities in order. As in, he is he is so smart. Like, okay, to, okay, everybody else obviously has their stake in this particular event. Screw Ted is pride. Huey wants to get his junior wood chuck badge. Dewey and Webby are suicidally wanting to have fun, which is fine. Yeah. And Launchpad, I guess, is like you know he's just up for adventure. He's yeah, you know, good to how like you know. Being with his friends, or he feels that it's his responsibility in some way to to come along yeah, in mean, whatever he... way he can because this is Death Mountain. Yes, and like you know, he's an adult and these are kids. But Louis very sensibly sees no value in doing something this dangerous if there is no payoff. Yeah, yeah. 
So he hasn't he still hasn't gotten to the point where like he values his life over the possibility of getting treasure. In the ranking of priorities, Don is obviously someone who values life over everything. <laughs> he loves life. Um and then we have Louis who values his own life very highly, but possibility of getting rich a little bit higher. Yeah, like he is happy he is happy to, you know, go on I think as evidenced by this where he was fully like on board with going on this adventure under like under the assumption that there was some incredible treasure at the top. Like he was fully he was happy to go along with this yeah. stupid, deadly, going to die. We can't stress enough how did they're going to die on this mountain. <laughs> As he calls it, Mount Certain Doom. Or not how he calls it. Who calls it Mount Certain Doom? I think Dewey calls it Mount Certain Doom, and then Huey says, oh no, it's um, it's three times deadlier than Mount Certain Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is, Mount, it is Mount Certain Doom. Um, the thing is, but then he, when he's, when Dewey is contrasted with Dewey and Webby, who rank their own life lowest as the priorities <laughs> out of anyone else, and then Huey, who tends to rank his own life fairly in the middle, um, but he think you know he finds more things worth the risk than than Louis does, who pretty much only yeah. takes like taking treasure. And then Scrooge, who is just an insane, who is just insane, and it does not occur to him at any point that his life is in danger. Um, no, <laughs> so it doesn't even fit into his priorities. Um, He's a hundred and fifty. He hasn't died yet. He's not going to die anytime soon. Yeah, so Louis' Louis's priorities are, are the only ones who are, is the only one approaching normality. And he very smartly goes and has hot chocolate. And that's fair enough. So then we kind of get them starting up the, starting up the mountain. And Launchpad tells Scrooge about the dreaded ice fever, while Webby fails to, <laughs> fails to resist the urge to sled. It's very funny in this, um, in, in this little Webby trying to sled and Dewey kind of kicking the sled out so she face plants yeah. into the snow. Very funny that Dewey is being comparatively very restrained. Well, yeah, um, but it's a great example of Webby's lack of impulse control, which we saw yeah, in exactly. Boss before. Um, even if she believes in the rules that she's following, you know, she has no reason to disbelieve, you know, don't touch anything, don't like anything, whatever. Um, and she wants, she like trusts Huey and she wants to, and she wants to do, to follow the rules and, and be, be a real kid. Um, but when the opportunity comes up, she just cannot resist the urge. And then yes. here she understands and sympathizes with Huey wanting her to have the best sledding experience possible. So she's willing to go along with it. But given the opportunity to sled, she can't resist the urge. Exactly. Um, so it's very cute. It's it's very funny to me that, that Dewey next to next to Webby, Dewey becomes very responsible and very um self controlled. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> on, yeah, it really does depend on the circumstance. They balance mm. each other out in the fact that they're usually not don't have the same insane urge at the exact same time. Um, yes. <laughs> They're kind of trading off. Um, mm. So Launchpad is kind of telling Scrooge about Ice Fever and all this. And Scrooge becomes increasingly disdainful of Launchpad and the, and the kids coming over prepared and worrying too much. But mm-hmm. to be fair, it was Scrooge being overprepared and overly cautious that got beloved explorer George Mallardy killed to death. And it was his fault. Yes, Scrooge did cause the death of a famous explorer. Yeah, um, Scrooge killed man. This, this this death is on his conscience. It is. 
so he's kind of trying so he's taken like the worst possible lesson from this in that he thinks that if he doesn't repeat you know the the mistakes of the past that nobody will get hurt so if he uh doesn't come over prepared and overly cautious and if he berates everybody else for trying to prepare for death mountain then everything will be fine it's very interesting that um that scrooge is filling the role in this situation of george malady when george yeah. malady was the died yeah <laughs> it's crazy it's like it's an it's an interesting lesson to take where scrooge is in a situation where he came over prepared and the guy who laughed at him for being over prepared died like yeah. yes scrooge got you know he he became a bit of a a bit of a laughing stock george melody died on mount Neverus. george melody froze to death and Scrooge yeah. is like, sounds great. I will do exactly what he did. The lesson that he takes away is that being overprepared was wrong, actually. George Malady was right, even though he did die horribly. Um, like, rip, rip to George Malady, but I'm different. I guess, I guess, like, the takeaway here is that death isn't really a real possibility for Scrooge. He just doesn't see it as something that can happen to him, conceivably, because he's Scrooge McDuck. So... Yes. The real kind of threat here is the blow to his ego that he suffered once before, and the shame. So as far as he's concerned, George Mallardy came out on top in that situation despite dying, because Mm -hmm. he's a beloved explorer and everybody thinks he's so cool, Um, and everyone thinks that Neversinity is a jackass. Um, So that's kind of where he's coming from, is that he thinks that that's preferable. Yes, which is insane. And insane to be doing when you have 10-year-olds along for the ride. Um, we also get the little detail here that Louis stole Scrooge's credit card and used it to <laughs> buy a bunch of shit for Launchpad, which is very funny. And very, Scrooge very is not funny. actually very mad about it. Uh, it's, very, it's, a, it's, like, it's a very funny line, obviously, with, with um, Launchpad being like, oh, Louis put it on his corporate credit card. Very funny thing for Launchpad to be like, yes, this is realistic. This 10-year-old has a corporate credit card from Duck Enterprises. This is very very funny that Louis has, Louis, Louis, like, you know, steals the credit card, obviously. He's he's just been introduced to his relative who's incredibly rich. Of course, he's going to take advantage of those riches. It's also nice that he uses it to buy things for other people. Um, Yeah. He's not completely selfish. No. And also, it's not his money, so. (laughs) Exactly. It's not real. Yeah. Um, so Launchpad fails to pass the point of no return. Um, <laughs> Falls down the mountain. Yeah, his, his too tall backpack end up sending him toppling back down the mountain. Um, yes. And Scrooge and the kids continue on, oblivious to Launchpad's plight and dazzled by the prospect of certain death. Um, <laughs> so we get the return of Launchpad is killed by snakes. His sudden disappearance on the slopes of a famously lethal mountain gets brushed aside. Brushed aside. <laughs> Oh, I like. Oh, okay. This is a cartoon. I know that this is a cartoon. I know that this is a comedy cartoon about talking ducks. Launchpad should die. Launchpad <laughs> should be dead. <laughs> this is an interesting point for you to bring up on Launchpad's birthday. <laughs> it's not personal. I don't, you know, mor- I don't think that he should die morally, but like logically. <laughs> He should not be alive. He's been in so many situations where he should have died. Um, I mean, yeah. I guess that's his. That's his. That's his. Um, skill is surviving things that really should not be survivable. Um, yeah, but he's probably fine. Uh, we get launched by the extended pratfall down a whole mountainside, and it's <laughs> Donna. 
<laughs> I do love um Launchpad being the the um the, the like the physical comedy here, like the bit of the slapstick that Donald was last episode. Yeah, he's he he's, he can kind of slip into that role. Well, so we get a Scrooge gets pretty sour at the idea that literal children might not want to die on a mountain because he doesn't <laughs> want them to become Neverus ninnies. Um, and mm-hmm. to that I have to say, damn bitch, are you a BenQ HT two zero fifty DLP HD because you're projecting like crazy? <laughs> How long did you work on that joke? It's in my notes. I wrote it down in my notes so I wouldn't forget to say it. <laughs> it was good. Thank um, you. This episode, this episode is really just Scrooge projecting onto children. Um, oh yeah. Um. So we get Scrooge vowing to protect the kids, and then danger immediately befalls them. And Dewey almost dies. Dewey almost dies. Uh, so they continue up the treacherous mountain. Huey documents the landscape as they go, at least up until they hit a dead end. Um, mm-hmm. We get an absolutely... There are a lot of Scrooge lines here that are absolutely tragic in the greater context of things. And we get one of them here, which is, I promise I won't let anything bad happen to you. Yes. So, yeah. I, I have lots of things to say. Um about the way that Scrooge is acting in this episode, but I'm um I'm waiting until a little bit later to bring out my um to bring out my big guns. But there is a lot of times in this episode where I was like, ooh. Yeah. Scrooge. Yeah. Let's press on. Um mm-hmm. so Webby and Dewey are about to sled down this kind of absolutely horrifying slope um when Scrooge <laughs> starts scaling the mountain face directly. Um and Webby is so cute here. She just wants to go sledding. <laughs> She is so, she is so incredible. She raises the sled and peeps over the top. And she's (laughs) like begging Dewey to go sledding. And also when when Scrooge starts climbing, Dewey and Huey do an identical little, yeah, with Wavy I also wrote that down. I'm so happy that you got that as well. It's so cute. It's so cute. Um, And then back at base camp, Launchpad continues his nightmare. Launchpad is drowning. Um, Yeah. Surrender. And then we get the fantastic line, this is not the end of Launchpad with Quack. It will be by plane crash or not at all. Also in my notes. Classic line. I love this quote so much. This is, I think, one of two quintessential Launchpad quotes. And the other one is um, in season three, when he's talking about everything he wanted to do before he died. And he says, land a plane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> revealing he has never once in his life landed a plane <laughs> I love Launchpad so much this is fantastic like yeah. um, it's it really is tragic that the um the episode that we're watching when it's so close to his birthday is just like his awful awful series of events where he he thinks he's dying like this entire time he, he thinks he's dying he genuinely thinks he's in his death throes. All of this flailing about is like his final attempt to survive. Um, never mind that he's in a sauna. Uh, <laughs> so Scrooge drags the kids up the sheer face of the cliff and randomly starts disposing of necessary equipment. Um, so he's completely overcompensating for the ninny failure and endangering the children. He literally just vowed to keep safe two seconds ago <laughs> in one fell swoop. Um, yes. But... I have something to say. Mm-hmm. 
I suppose it's kind of cute that Scrooge's first non-Atlantis expedition with the kids is him trying to redeem his past failure, like he's trying to kind of prove himself to them. Um, yeah. But if he could just do it without throwing, trying to throw away their water, that would be a good idea. If he could do it like a normal person, maybe that could be, um, like, you yeah. know, Scrooge, just some constructive criticism. You can um, do this without bringing uh, three ten-year-olds um, on an adventure that is going to kill them. They are going to die on this mountain. This is Death Mountain. You are going to kill them. Yeah. Um, I mean, even as as horrifyingly dangerous as this whole thing is, it's still a very cute scene because we get the absolutely adorable visual of the baby infant children dangling from the rope all wrapped yes. up. It's pretty it's so cute. Dewey and Webby are absolutely adorable. Um, when Webby's suggesting they they sled while they hang with it hanging from the rope, and Dewey says, "I think that's more falling than sledding." <laughs> it's so cute. It's they they look absolutely they look very cute, and also the whole the very cute visual combined with the terrifying, dangerous context is kind of classic Scrooge. Yeah. So they make it to the top of the ridge, only to find themselves back at the landmark Huey's already taken note of the demonic bunny rocks. Yes. yes, and um. This is, I really like, um, I really, really like Huey in this episode. I mean, I like Huey in every episode. He is um, a fantastic character, but I really like him. Um, this is a very good uh, characterful moment because it's kind of, um, he he's like the voice of reason, obviously, that is kind of his role mm-hmm. within the triplets. Um, and it's interesting to see him uh, tackling something that is, in a, in, in, in one sense, um, completely new, like Mount Everest has never really been explored, but is also very familiar because mountains are yeah. real. Mountains have there is a there is precedent for discovering mountains and documenting them, and so he has a framework for doing this. Yeah. Um, but as soon as he runs into something that kind of disrupts that, which is the fact that the geography of this mountain makes no sense, he starts to freak out a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is just like as as soon as something doesn't quite fit his worldview, it makes him like he he he. he I mean, obviously he's still holding it together. Like he isn't you know instantly in panic mode, but he's obviously really really bothered by yeah, the fact yeah. that things aren't making sense. Yeah, with Huey, um, while other characters might be able to kind of take this kind of as it is and not let it affect other things, with Huey, things like this tend to leech into everything else it kind of yes. shatters his whole worldview then if something doesn't make sense it's like kind yes. of an, it's a it's a bit of a it's like a it's like a crack kind of spider webbing out um mm. it kind of makes him question everything he thought he knew um whereas another character might be able to go well Mount Everest is fucked up hey and not let it kind of change their opinion of mountains in general or reality in general um with Huey, kind of nonsensical things tend to tend to spread and threaten threaten his uh his kind of framework for understanding the world. Yeah. Um. So, whew, here's a fun bit. Um, <laughs> Scrooge agrees to set up camp in the worsening weather, uh, which is one of the few which he surprises Huey in that it is a reasonable suggestion. <laughs> yeah. He's actually doing something responsible for once. Um, but he inadvertently reveals that he knows more about the mountain's layout than he's let on, that he that he knows hmm. the location of this cave. Uh, we get a great line, cool, dark and foreboding cave, Uncle Scrooge. I am so glad you also wrote that one down. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I love it so much. 
Um, this is fantastic. Webby finds a pair of uh, of ski goggles, which is another reference to the very real and very tragically dead Maori. Um, <sighs> with the kids also find an absolutely horrifying carving depicting beheaded mountaineers, which first comes off as creepy set dressing, but is actually referencing the true twist of Everest. The mountain is dotted with mm-hmm. portals, which send hapless climbers in endless circles, never reaching the peak. Right now, though, it's a bunch of decapitated ducks. And the artistic choice of the dark blue eyes on the carvings is particularly eerie. It's... This entire scene is so grim. And the kind of the only thing pulling it back from actual horror is the fact that, like, the kids, upon seeing a dead body, don't, like, scream. They don't really freak out. They're just like, well, I think somebody else, you know, like, was, was here before us. And it's like, that's kind of the extent of their reaction. Yeah, they don't really re- like. They don't really actively react in any, you yeah. know, sensible way to the fact that they found a a a, um, a dead guy. Like this is a dead guy. Like yes, it's a skeleton. It's you know, yeah, he's been dead for seventy five years. But they find a dead body. They're ten years old. I'm just kind of obsessed with the with the carving. I think it's in and in it's it's horrifying. It's very mm. very freaky. Um, it is. But after finding that the cave has seemingly rearranged itself to trap them inside, they find the skeletal remains of Manardy, complete with beaky mustache. He is <laughs> also amusingly wearing a I didn't survive Mount Neverest t-shirt, which given the timeline, very, very given the timeline, given that that whole structure wasn't there when Scrooge last visited, was probably put on him by some other morbid explorer. Mm. So someone found this body and put a I didn't survive Mount Everest t-shirt on someone who didn't survive Mount Everest. Very, that is the, the, very the grim. darkest, funniest thing about this entire scene is the I didn't survive Mount Everest shirt. That's like, mm. I, I, just like the, the concept of climbing the death mountain where you're going to die and you, you know, you bought a jokey tourist t-shirt because you thought it was funny, but you know, you're obviously going to survive Mount Everest. And you find a corpse, you find a dead body, and you're like, haha, this is so funny. I'm going to put this joke t-shirt on a dead body. I know. Because that's a funny joke. It's so fucking it's incredible. I love it. I love it. Um, um, they also find that uh, that that Maraji has scratched a message into the wall, cursing Scrooge with his dying breath. Um, and the look the kids give him is priceless. So it's, it's incredible. I, it's another example of Scrooge, like you know, I can't keep track of all of all your all your uh, your arch enemies, <laughs> and he's just a rude, evil old man who everyone hates and makes enemies everywhere. Um, hmm. and at this point, he kind of reluctantly reveals what we've known all that Scrooge was the Everest Ninny, and that Manardy left yeah. him for dead when he refused to lighten his load. Um. Okay, so there's something here that I don't know if you will share with me or not mm-hmm. but the image of Scrooge 75 years ago at a sprightly 76 years old himself um, <laughs> being overly cautious clearly worried and laden with supplies actually makes me really sad I don't know why it's, it makes it's... me feel really bad he was like I don't know he, the fact that he was so scared or just all of the images of him the, all the like the visuals of of him looking really worried and being all prepared, yeah. like it makes me feel really bad. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a, it, it, I mean, this is Scrooge's tragic backstory, you know. Yeah, except he doesn't think it's tragic. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it it he doesn't care. But no, I I understand. Like 
he took the wrong lesson from his tragic backstory, which is <laughs> everybody laughed at me and not I got a guy killed. There's um there's there's some uh uh something I noticed there is a junior woodchuck rule brought out in um this scene, which is junior woodchuck rule one eighteen uh, sorry, eleven eighteen, which is a woodchuck chief must always be honest with his crew. Oh, I forgot um, to remember. I didn't pick that up pick up the mode at all. Um, and I, I did just make a note. It's maybe may not be anything, but I did want note that I wonder if Scrooge is specifically swayed by the woodchuck thing because it's um it's a very Della thing to do, and it's also a feathery yeah. thing to do. But he doesn't give a fuck about feathery, so. No, he <laughs> but I, I I love her. I love how the combination of, of of Huey and the woolen cap and reciting the woodchuck rules is is just him him being a little mini feathery for for this episode. He very cute. is a mini feathery. Um, I love boy. Um, also, I wonder if him being kind of referred to as a as, as the woodchuck chief has anything to do with it. That like it's kind of a mm. gesture of respect. Um, but here's in this flashback is where Mallory's revealed to be a total jackass, which is again an interesting take on a real person. A crazy thing to do to a real dead person. Yeah. Um, and then we get another hilarious and incredibly dark line, which is, I think the mountain got even for you. <laughs> Scrooge being spiteful and mean to a literal dead man is illuminating. Like, Sc- Scrooge being so petty that he, like, takes a step past, like, his detached leg, yeah. I think? And he's yeah. like, well, now I'm the furthest anyone's ever been. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> What's happening? What is happening? I am a uh... Scrooge, you are insane. The man is dead. You're so petty. And he's still holding it over him. The fact that Huey has to point out that he is dead. That he doesn't have to get even with him anymore because the dude died. The mountain got even for him. Scrooge. Insane. This is so dark. It's incredible. I love this so much. I love this episode. So, <laughs> Webby finds a way out. Um, mm-hmm. And we get a cute little bit where Scrooge con- congratulates her. Um, and meanwhile, Huey kind of frets over the mountains, confusing and treacherous ways. Yes, because he's... I like that he's... Um, I like the line that Huey has, which is, how can I chart the unknown if I don't know what I'm charting? Which is obviously the very kind of... um. Yeah. Uh, Kind of an oxymoronic uh, statement because yeah. obviously charting the unknown is charting the unknown. You obviously don't know it, but it's um, yeah. a just a really good display of Huey's thought process, which is it's okay. Like he's he's okay with things being unknown as long as he knows what they're supposed to be. He's yeah. He puts a lot of weight on like things being the way he expects them to be. Yeah, it's another example of how things have to have precedent for him, and there is no precedent yes. for a mountain rearranging itself seemingly. So he just kind of he he's he's kind of breaking down over this, and it's very upsetting. And you know, a responsible adult, of course, never would have brought them up the mountain in the first place. But a slightly oh, less responsible, God. a slightly less responsible adult was at this point seeing how upset Hugh is becoming. The fact that the mountain is obviously much more dangerous than they thought. The fact that like this is so confusing would have immediately taken them down. Um, yes. And Scrooge is just like, no, 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 no. Anyway. So, <laughs> meanwhile, Louis is taking full advantage of the tourist amenities and Scrooge's stolen credit card, which he's presumably <laughs> using to pay for all these luxuries. Which is very funny. Um, but he comes across Launchpad, who's still toughing out his ice fever in increasingly specific locations that we have no idea how he got it. 
So Launchpad becomes convinced that Louis is with him on the mountain and has also contracted the fever and tries to cradle him back to health. <laughs> Soak in the wetness of my sweat. Ew, um, so much wetness. Ew. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So Louis like outraged that anyone but him had the gall to scam Launchpad and vows revenge. And he calls Launchpad his family here. Yeah, no one calls my family but me. This is yeah. sweet. This made me smile. Yeah. Launchpad is part of their family. Um, I love how I love this other this kind of early example of um Louis Louis's kind of criteria for for making people part of his family. Um mm-hmm. that he's kind of standoffish with Scrooge. And obviously he's gonna have a very difficult relationship with Della. And then with other people like Gladstone, Goldie, and Launchpad, he lets into his family almost instantly. Um Gladstone makes sense because he's been their uncle for years and that like they've known him previously. Um, but he kind of seems to be cautious about letting people into, you know, his quote unquote family or letting people close to him if he is unsure about their capacity to hurt him. Mm-hmm. Gladstone's a known quantity. He knows that he's his, their, he's their kind of absent-minded uncle who's kind of focused on luxury but isn't malicious or and that he's like largely a you know, he's 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 Louis's kind of personal role model, right? For the first mm. part before he meets Goldie. Because he's someone who has all of this luxury and has no problem indulging in it and has no kind of ambitions beyond that. And Louis respects that. Um because it's something that no that his brothers can't really relate to him about. Um and then with Goldie Goldie's even more of a known quantity where he knows that the rule with Goldie is that she will always betray you at the end. So because yes. he knows what he's getting with her, so exactly their relationship is kind of transactional and he's okay with letting her into his life and letting her become important to him. But he's so much more reluctant with Scrooge and with Della. Um, mm. and, like, and then we have Launchpad who is, again, a known quantity. We know that Launchpad never do anything to hurt anyone. So he's pretty much okay with letting Launchpad become his family, which also has this kind of protective streak there that he kind of wants to protect Launchpad from other people. Um, <laughs> but then we have kind of, but like the idea that Scrooge and Della are both people he that, that he actually respects and that he wants to love him um, it's kind of the reason why he's keeping them at a distance. Yes. Uh, it's it's very it's very sad. Louis is a very interesting character. Um, he is such a complex little child. He's a fucked up little boy. <laughs> Strange tangent to go on based on exactly one line of of him and Launchpad bathing in sweat. Well, that's what we're here for. That's what a podcast is all about. It's about extrapolating based on single lines. Fuck yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, Scrooge and the kids make it within view of the summit and Huey stands up to Scrooge on the basis that the expedition has gone too far they don't have any supplies, it's too dangerous for them to continue under these conditions and Scrooge and Huey argue about this. We have an absolutely hilarious bit where Scrooge goes ha ha and then causes an avalanche and then he goes ha ha <laughs> Yes, I love his 
tiny little (laughs) 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 it's very funny and then we get Scrooge arguing with a literal child whether they should die on the mountain um so you know you'd think that after everything Scrooge would take a little more heed when someone tells him that a mission is doomed and he's going to get everyone killed with his ego but denial is a wonderful thing no yes it's um it's see this is um I love this as a Huey episode because it's so um because Huey has been right this entire time. Huey is not learning a lesson here. Um, no, no, this is Scrooge learning a lesson at the hands of a child. Yeah, because more Huey, than him, Huey Huey is literally correct in everything he's saying. Like they're like he's like they're violating Junior Woodchuck training and like guidelines. And Huey, you know, needs things to be, like, bit to be by the book. But there's a reason that there are rules about you know mountain safety is because you're gonna die if you don't follow them um yeah and so we we even have um huey letting go like 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 not being blinded by you know he wants this achievement but he also doesn't want to die yeah so and he brings he up like being... all all of his all of his points are so rational and he says even like what i found most compelling was that like even if we do make the top we won't be able to get back down which yes. is what happened to george Mallory. <laughs> exactly Presumably. <laughs> um, there's, um, there's, there's, I have, I have, I had a thought here, which was, um, uh, just very interesting. I don't know, I don't know if I'm just reading too much into this, but there is definitely something here about Scrooge, um, having trouble letting things go or like having trouble, uh, recognizing when something is a lost cause. Yeah, when something's gone too far. I mean, we get a very funny quote at the start of the episode, which is that, um, what was it, that giving up and dying are basically the same thing? There's a difference between quitting and dying, and then yeah, yeah. not to me, there isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just, it, it, like, obviously, obviously this may not have any actual basis, but I thought it was interesting that Scrooge has trouble letting things go and uh, recognising when his attempt are uh, hurting him and hurting people around him, which is exactly what happened with Della and yeah. having to give up searching for her. Like he had to be physically stopped. Um, Scrooge historically has trouble. Um, he's very stubborn. He historically yeah. has trouble giving up when, or like having common sense even. And like, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's very just, tragic, and it's 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 very tragic looking back with knowledge of yeah. you know Della and Spiritsaline. But in that, he doesn't really seem to recognize that this exact trait is the one that he shares with Della, and is the one that got Della, you know, quote unquote. Killed. Yes, is that exactly. it was her not being able to give up on an ambition, and it was her not being able to turn back when things obviously got bad. So mm. you know, he's got a lack mm. of he's got a lack of uh, of introspection here, a lack of kind of self awareness. Um, kind of fueled by his ego um, and his unwillingness. You know, this is kind of an example of Scrooge refusing to make the mistakes of the past. He doesn't want to be that person anymore. Um, but in doing so, he's making the same mistakes he also made in the past, just different mistakes. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we also get another tragic line from Scrooge here in the greater context, which is, for the last time, nothing bad is going to happen. It is a grim fucking episode, and it's 
something that I think we're going to have to look back on when we get to uh, the last crash of the Sun Chaser, because I think we're going to get it repeats a lot of these quotes. Um, mm -hmm. I'm Scrooge McDuck. Nothing bad is going to happen. Yes. So. Scrooge says nothing bad is going to happen. Something bad instantly happens. Um, yeah, because this is a character <laughs> and we all know how avalanches work. Yes. Um, um, do and Webby die. Dewey and Webby fall to their deaths. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a note here that just says "nice one, Scrooge." Really excellent. <laughs> they die. They're dead. Mm -hmm. What's this? The fallen kids are immediately back up on the mountain, roughly where they were before the fall, and they don't know how. I absolutely love how Dewey says, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> it's very cute. I I really like how um. I really like how 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 Scrooge is like. Maybe Launchpad was right about ice fever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, Huey, while while Scrooge questions his sanity, Huey tests a hypothesis. Um, yes. Kind of showing his his like very high intelligence and his and his kind of both both his inventive way of thinking and his kind of belief in the scientific method of like mm -hmm. this is the way that Huey and Webby fell. What happens if something else falls that way? Can we can we chart that? Can we kind of figure out what happened here? Um, so he throws a snowball and it hits Dewey, and they re and Huey realizes that the there are portals dotted around the mountain that protect people that stop people from going to the peak by depositing them somewhere else on the mountain. So he is so relieved to have like an explanation. I, he's yeah, so I, relieved that he's not going insane. <laughs> I have a note here, and you're gonna hate me for it. Mm hmm. Now he's thinking with portals. I hate you. <laughs> I do game they design. Do... This is the life I live. I have if I don't <laughs> if I don't make these jokes, then I'll be like expelled. Um, <laughs> what I like here is that this is a brain blast moment for Huey, but Scrooge's immediate reaction is to praise the mountain, which is not his nephew. <laughs> <laughs> and he snarks at Huey for like. And you wanted to turn back, <laughs> which is not the point. It's, 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 that's not the point. Screw you. Yes, you wanted to turn back because, like, even though they've they've discovered what's wrong with the mountain, they can still die on here. That has not changed. Yeah, this does not make Huey wrong at all. <laughs> so Scrooge just being um, an asshole here to a child. Um, and then June yeah. and Webby, because they're they're lovely little children, start playing with the wormholes and having fun and start causing the the collapse. The fun brain turns on. Um, yeah, they they are they are not like it's very like ten seconds ago they were falling to their death and now they're like damn this is so cool let's jump around on this mountain. Um, I know they love the it. danger. The danger is completely gone in favor of this is so cool. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, using the portals um kind of destabilizes the mountain, um and it kind of starts to collapse. Uh, but meanwhile, as as Huey realizes this about the mountains, Screw triggers out how to get close to the summit. Um, but in a very in a very uh, poignant or not really poignant, <laughs> but, you know, meaningful kind of visual metaphor here, he is close to the summit but can't get to the top because actually reaching the top would require descending the mountain and finding the portal that leads there. Um, yes. and descending the mountain without having reached the summit is a failure in Screw. So he's kind of stuck in this in the cycle of of kind of jumping for the summit and getting deposited back where he was. Um, I really like how he's um 
repeating uh conquered conquered (laughs) as he jumps through the same portal over and over yeah um and scrooge is and huey is begging him to just give up and get down and stop getting them all killed because again the portals are to stabilize in the mountain the more you use them and scrooge will not stop jumping through the fucking portals and yelling conquered so (laughs) this really is like you could write this exact this exact dynamic happening in every interaction with this episode happening between where Scrooge is a child and Huey is an adult because this is really what's going on here. Yes. Um. And in a very upsetting scene, Huey begs him to stop before they all die horribly, and we get another junior yes. junior woodchuck rule, which is seven twenty seven. Sometimes the bravest thing an explorer can do is walk away. The fact that this episode, like the climax of this episode. Is Huey a 10-year-old child begging his great-uncle to stop trying to do something for his pride because it's going to kill his family? Yeah. Like, insane. this is episode three. This is episode three. <laughs> like, in retrospect, in this viewing order, where this isn't, like, episode nine or whatever, and it's episode three, it really does set up how batshit insane and dark DuckTales gets. Yeah. Um, it's a very tragic kind of scene. Very upsetting. Um, and Scrooge gives in finally and uh, kind of rescues uh, Dewey and falling Dewey and Webby in kind of the same, in the same kind of, uh, in the same go. And they sled down the mountain, finally getting what they wanted. Um, mm-hmm. But that leaves Huey to outrun an avalanche on foot. <laughs> which is which is a great time for Huey. I'm sure he's having a blast. Um, <laughs> great way to spend Christmas, guys. Every single, every like, these characters are in danger. Like every single moment of this episode, somebody is like actively about to die. Um, so he is he Huey is um pulled onto the sled by Dewey after they after they go through the portal, and they kind of zap their way down the mountain. Um popping through here and there uh it was very like a <laughs> very cute kind of like screaming and then they go through the portal and it's fine and then they go through the portal and it's screaming again <laughs> um and they end up riding on top of bunny rock uh and then we get we go back to uh the, ba- the base camp where um uh louis is exacting his revenge on on the scam artist um and she decides to do by getting him to kind of accidentally uh, reveal that ice fever is made up, uh, something he made up to sell to sell overpriced ski equipment, um, mm-hmm. by pretending that he's a, a grieving little boy whose friend is dying <laughs> of a horrible ice fever, which Launchpad believes completely. Um, Launchpad, Launchpad is like on his deathbed. Launchpad says, "Bury me among the clouds." <laughs> He is Louis utterly genuinely convinced among he's the about clouds. to die. He is. This is Launchpad's bad day on the mountain. I'm so sorry, Launchpad. This is a terrible episode to be talking about so near to your birthday. This is not fair to Launchpad. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, Launchpad's Launchpad is cured of his ice fever when 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 Louis finally takes off takes off his uh, his goggles and rescues him. Um, and his chosen version of events is that Louis rescued him from the mountain and cured his ice fever, but Dewey is still his favorite. 
Louis like Louis like yeah that's fine yeah. he's happy to take his credit he's like you know what look I think in like in Louis's mind like yeah you know he like saved Launchpad in some way he did something nice for Launchpad he's happy to take the you know the undue credit but you know yeah maybe he didn't single handedly carry him down the mountain but he's happy to let Launchpad believe that yeah um so then the the avalanche reaches the settlement and uh, consumes the whole thing. And depositing <laughs> Scrooge and the kids safely in a snowdrift at the base of the mountain. So, like, fuck everybody who, like, lives and works there, I guess. Um, this, this, there is so much property damage here. Scrooge yeah. has destroyed this entire, like, this entire small, like, village, basically. And all in an um, attempt to kill some children. Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Um, Scrooge. So, uh, Huey kind of learned, well, he didn't really learn a lesson. Scrooge learned a lesson, but we, you know, he'll never admit that. Um, <laughs> and Scrooge offers Huey a little symbol of his achievement, which is a very crudely altered shirt. Um, <laughs> and Huey kind of discards his attempted map of the mountain, um, which drifts through a portal and and, and is deposited at the mountain's peak, uh, making mm. Huey Duck the first person to have actually conquered Mount Everest, though he doesn't know it, because yeah. on the on the map it says Huey was here. Yeah, um, which is very nice. I like that. Like, good for him. It's a nice little touch. It's it's nice that he is actually he's actually made history and has no idea. <laughs> that he's like when someone else finally does meet uh, reach the summit, he's going to be go down in history as like the first person to re- reach the top of Mount Everest, and then people are going to look into it and find out that he's ten years, old. <laughs> and they're going to be like, "What the fuck? Who let a ten year old climb a mountain?" And Scrooge is going to be like, "Uh." Um. <laughs> well, I also like that. Um, Webby is unimpressed by sledding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, the, pro- the, pro- the problem is, this is too close to her regular everyday life. Yeah. This is death-defying. Like this was like you know she does that every other day. Like that's what that's what that's what her grandma has taught her her entire life. Yeah. What Webby finds really exciting is everyday things. Yeah. mundane stuff not kind of the way that everyday kids imitate mundane things uh, no Im- imitate death-defying stuff she didn't really she didn't really see the see the value in that mm. um and that's the end of our episode what a fantastic episode i love this episode i really do it's great it's, it's a great episode when uh when we kind of got the revised viewing order and i realized i was gonna have to watch this episode I didn't really, I wasn't really looking forward to it that much because I didn't remember it being like a, a particularly like favorite episode of mine. Um, not like you know the Spear of Celine or like anything yeah, like yeah. that. But this was a really really good episode, and it was an excellent third episode. Yes, it really. I, I it does a really good job of kind of um, uh, rounding out. The, the the reboot in the sense that episode one reintroduces you, episode two kind of um gets the dynamics down and gets Donald and Beakling to the mix, and then episode three um cements the fact that this is still duck this is still Ducktales. They still do jet setting adventures. They are still going to yeah. other locations, um which is uh in the original viewing order we would have had the Great Dime Chase here, which is another Duckburg episode, which is like it's a good episode, yeah, but 
it makes things feel very static because yeah. you're staying in one location the entire time. Yeah, and um, also like I mean, yeah, this is also kind of it makes it kind of sets the norm for Scrooge as being a businessman, not being an explorer. Yes, um, yes. And also, what's what's fun about this episode is that it is like establishing Scrooge in a lot of ways. But, like, it doesn't go too heavy on establishing him as an adventurer because we know this from old yes. tales. We know that Scrooge McDuck is an explorer. We know all this stuff already. But what it really focuses instead on how fucked up and crazy Scrooge is. How many <laughs> of his actions in this episode make you go, what is wrong with this man? Why is he <laughs> yes. like this? Why is he so spiteful and petty <laughs> and and like deranged and why does he have such a warped I- idea of like life and death you know um mm. why is he so insistent that nothing bad is going to happen to the kids while he's there like it raises up all these questions that are going to be dealt with later on in the series which is kind of a good way to establish scrooge without retreading too much old ground and be like this is what's different about this version of ducktales Yes, Scrooge has something going on under the surface here, and it makes mm. you the kind of confusion brought about in this episode of like why is why are you acting this way? Um, what is of, your problem? What is your damage? And then we're gonna find out what his damage is in um, a very tragic way. Yeah. <laughs> So it's good. It's good. I think it's it's a much better third episode than The Great Dime Chase because The Great Dime Chase um, introduces him as a fairly rational man. He isn't yeah. really he's he's not really wacky. The yeah. he he's just a little bit of an eccentric businessman, but he's fairly laid back and fairly comfortable. Um, which would make Neverest coming up later in the season um, a bit of an aberrance, and also would seem to be retreading old character ground having having neverest as a as like the ninth or tenth episode as in the original viewing order um would particularly i think damage launchpad i mean a lot of the character stuff that's done in this episode would feel like retreading old ground such a episode when viewed in that order because mm. it's supposed to be introducing these things, but because it's in the wrong order, it ends up just kind of reinforcing them yeah. um, without saying anything new because it's in the wrong order. Uh, so it seems like a bit of a, a bit of a meh episode with a strange undercover undercurrent of death. Uh, when, <laughs> yeah. when put in the proper order, it does some very necessary and very well constructed work at introducing these 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 new versions of these characters yes i um i definitely agree that it, uh for the first time i watched uh for the first because the first time i watched ducktales i only watched about half the first season um mm-hmm. and i watched it in the wrong order or like in in the in the old order the order that everybody watched it in yeah. and then recently when i rewatched it i watched it on disney plus and it had been put into the proper order and i i remember not liking Neverest that much originally I was thinking yeah this is kind of an average episode like there's no real like like nothing really happens it's not very exciting um mm-hmm. but putting it here um is great because 
it's like it's it's like like you said it's um setting up character things rather than reinforcing them um mm-hmm. and i just i I, th- I think also i have a better appreciation for how <laughs> insanely grim it is i know i i don't think i ever picked up on fucking bizarrely <laughs> grim it is how upsetting it but is just, i just can't get over george malady i can't i i yeah i like if i i've I had remembered it being pointed out that this that George Mallory was was parody of, of the real explorer George Mallory. So I thought at first I thought, oh, it's just one of those things where they've taken someone's name and turned it into a duck pun. Yeah. And that's as far as it goes. And then I did some reading and I was like, oh no. <laughs> this oh, is really yeah. grim. This it's is like, insane. This is so is there there's some vendetta against George Ma- George Mallory? It seems. Like someone someone on the on the writers room has been like wronged by him. Um. So uh, also, it see it. I think it's a frustrating episode later on in the season because at that point you're expecting. Um, some of the current plot points at that point in the season to be covered. Yeah. So it's frustrating to have yeah. a have an episode that's like so nobody mentions Della at all or yeah exactly you know that none of these conflicts that you're kind of accustomed to at that point are coming up um and it really does feel like retreading old ground which is why it was such an underwhelming episode um when viewed in that order which is no fault of the episode itself because it's a very good episode um in this context and it's the first time I've seen it in this context I don't know I don't know if it made it into last week's episode, but I've never watched um, DuckTales in the Intended Order. Um, so because of that, all of all of these kind of things where the, the order of an episode has been like seriously changed, I'm going to be mm-hmm. commenting a lot on the on the kind of new pacing and the way that this the pacing of the Intended Order differs from the original order. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as as soon as we read what the what the intended as soon as we read what the intended order was, like I could instantly point out a number of things that made more sense in the intended order. Um, yeah. Next next week we're gonna go to we're gonna go to the money bin and we're gonna be introduced to Gyro. Um, my my man, my, <laughs> my gosh, my um, man Jim Rush. So we're gonna be like introduced to Gyro. We're gonna be introduced to. To Scrooge's workplace, uh, the money bin is this kind of um, this kind of background element that's always there, and this kind of um, it kind of serves as like a, a safe place. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a refuge. Uh, at some points in the season, we're gonna get uh the setup for Gizmo Duck. We're gonna get Louis uh a little bit of a uh, of the tension between Louis and Scrooge. Um, and of course, we are going to get uh, Dewey and Webby teaming up to take on the investigation of Della Doc. So we're going to get yes. we're going to get Dewey's kind of um, hesitance to uh, to involve his brothers and him trusting Webby with this, which uh, makes more sense. Followed when following this episode, where we see how well they gel exactly that they really do seem to understand each other in a way that like the others don't so it makes sense that dewey mm-hmm. would come away from this um wanting to trust webby and look for her look to her for help with this yes 
All right. So I think that's it for the episode discussion. Um, it was it was Launchpad's birthday recently, as we said at the start of the episode. Happy thirty third birthday, Launchpad McQuack. Um, yeah. And obviously, this episode was not not the best day that he's ever had. Not no. maybe not the worst, but not the best. Um, he he thought he was dying for most of it. He yeah. got scammed. He fell down a mountain. Um, he was generally not having a very good time, which is unfortunate that this was the episode that we were looking at. Um, so close to his birthday. So I've decided that um for <laughs> For Launchpad's birthday, first of all, we're going to get to know him a little bit better. So I'm, we're going to just kind of take a look at uh, Launchpad McQuack on on the wiki, on the Scrooge yeah. wiki, and then we're going to use that information to get him. Let's call it a birthday present. Um, yeah, we're making it up to him. <laughs> we're making it up to him. So let's first of all, like first of all, let's just take a look at um, the, the, the the Launchpad McQuack page on the Scrooge McDuck fandom wiki is what very short for someone who is a main character um mm. at least for at least the the 2017 continuum version of Launchpad McQuack is a very short page there is not much to him at all um it does say that um he is an anthropomorphic duck his but his birthday was September 17th 1987 he lives in the garage <laughs> <laughs> which is tragic but um that's fine. He seems happy there. Um, he's uh, he is a klutz. He wants. He's always wanted to be a pilot. He strives to be a hero. He's also blissfully unaware that it is at all possible to land an aircraft or drive a car without crashing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and despite his unassuming intellect, Launchpad has engaged in several epic adventures adventures over the course of his life and has been in several romantic relationships all over the world. Um, hmm. so there really isn't very much of, like, in the way of a biography on here, um, and I wanted to get to know, like, some actual facts about Launchpad, so I am, uh, splitting from our, from our Bible, the Scrooge McDuck wiki, I'm going to the Disney fandom wiki instead, which I know is blasphemous, oh. but there is simply no actual information about Launchpad on the wiki, and, um, we are going to need to know some character traits if we're going to okay. accurately get him some, some gifts. So I would just like to, I would just like to, um, (laughs) I'm mostly just digging for some, um, some, some biographical information and some personality traits that, that have been picked out for him. He, um, this, the, the, the Disney fandom wiki is mostly based on, mostly based on the original DuckTales run, which is fine because it's mostly the same information. This also mentions that he's very popular with women. Um, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a, it is a primary character trait apparently that uh, women love him. His personality traits include loyal, clumsy, kind, brave, dim-witted, okay, <laughs> heroic, adventurous, comical, accident-prone, happy-go-lucky, helpful, and self-confident. Um, his alignment is good. He mm-hmm. likes helping his friends, flying, Aww. plane crashes, food, his job. He dislikes. Getting fired, crime, threats. <laughs> Who doesn't dislike getting fired, crime, and threats? <laughs> and we also have some information about his family on this particular wiki, which is um, there is no confirmation one way or the other whether this information is the same in the 2017 
cartoon, but since there's nothing to the contrary, I'm going to assume that uh, 2017 Launchpad has the same family as the original 1987, which is um his family was a group of stunt performers called the Flying McQuacks. Launchpad <laughs> felt that he always had disappointed his family and so ran away to pursue his dream of being the best pilot in the world. Um, his family came to visit and Launchpad felt that he couldn't face them because he he um he was just so ashamed he thought he would like failed them but um then his father ripcord <laughs> his mm. father ripcord finally told his son that he was proud of him but launchpad the reason that launchpad thought that his family was disappointed was that launchpad had never let his father finish any of his sentences not <laughs> <laughs> know that that's the funniest thing i've ever heard um and so he has so ripcord mcquack is his father birdie mcquack is his mother and loopy or um i think her full name loop de loop loop de loop loop de loop sister um so and then of course we have launch pain darkwing duck where he is darkwing duck's biggest fan he is uh you know basically a superhero he is very good with kids second father Exactly, he becomes a father. He's fantastic yeah. with kids. He's um very brave. He's a hero. Um, so um, and then it also makes a note on this page that in 2017 Ducktales he views Scross as he he views Scross he views Scrooge as his boss and also something <laughs> of a father figure. Um, <laughs> good old Scross. Um... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Something that's consistent across kind of all interpretations is that he is a hero. He does his he he enjoys being on the side of good and and helping people and protecting people and um being friends. He is Launchpad. Yeah. He is everybody's friend. So um, yeah. do you think that we know Launchpad well enough to build him a boyfriend? Absolutely. So for this segment on Dear Dimwitty, we are going to be going to a fantastic website, which is Quotev, and we are going to be <laughs> we're going to be building um a couple of boyfriends for Launchpad. I would be I, I would do some girlfriends as well, but Quotev is overwhelmingly targeted towards uh teenage girls. Um, so most of these are boyfriends, but um I think there is a couple mm-hmm. that have like possibilities for women. Um. Okay. So let's try let's 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 try simple. Let's try what type of guy is attracted to you. Okay. <laughs> so in this, we are launchpad. We have to We are launchpad. We are launchpad. We, we have to be launchpad. Okay. We have I'm to so really ready. get into his head. Okay. Question one of five. What is your personality? A sweet and kind. B laughable and sarcastic. C, smart and creative. D, broken and still breathing. <laughs> or E, motivated and confident. I think we can say sweet and kind. Exactly. I would. I that was also what I was thinking. Um, what type of guy do you fall for? The bad boys, the player, the nerd, the sweetheart, or the jock? It's the nerd, isn't it? With Darkwing. I would say he's he is a nerd. He's he's not a ba- he, he's not a bad boy. He's not a player. He'd like to think he's a bad boy. <laughs> he'd like to think he's a bad boy. He'd also like to think he's a jock. <laughs> I don't think he's quite a sweetheart, so I would have to say he's a nerd. 
Yeah, if there what was a if guy? there was a sarcastic option for that one, that would be good. <laughs> what type of guy do you actually get? And then we have the same options: bad boy, player, nerd, sweetheart, jock. Um, sweetheart, which I feel like I think. sweetheart. Um, yeah. Do your parents like him? Yes or no? I think Launchpad's parents would be very enthusiastic about. Um... I, th- I think they'd like. I think they'd like Drake. I think, I, think I like. I like how we we've, we've skipped over the whole building him a boyfriend <laughs> thing entirely. And just pushing <laughs> the Drake fan <laughs> agenda. <laughs> well, one, it's not an agenda if it's true, and okay, <laughs> and two, th- these questions seem to be predicated upon like. Do, do your you already like know is... who your boyfriend yes, is? Exactly. Um, so I'll say, yes, your parents do like him. What type of okay. music do you like? Punk rock, R&B, electronic, pop, or hip-hop slash rap? Hmm. I'm kind of defrauding you on this one. I don't know. I really don't know. Hmm. Um. See, I feel like... I'm kind of tempted to say ever... pop, but that's just because... I don't think that Launchpad is that into music. Yeah, I don't really think he is. I'm happy to just say pop. Okay. Okay. What type of guy is attracted to you? The sweetheart. Mm. What he likes about you? He likes it that you are just so much fun to be with. Aww. What his job is? He works an animal shelter helping puppies. <laughs> oh, puppies. No other animals. Hel- helping them. <laughs> What you're helping them do what? Get jobs? <laughs> Just helping them. What your parents think of him? Your mum wishes that she could have found a guy like that, making Ooh, your dad I... a bit jealous, not liking Ooh. your boyfriend that much. Oh, I don't like that. Um, and then this 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 quiz is one of the ones where it gives you a little bit of story at the end, like a little bit of scenario. Okay. Come here right now, you screamed as you stirred the dough in the pan, and there came your wonderful boyfriend, swinging the doors open and sitting down on the kitchen chair. I'm ready. Stirring the dough in the pan? (laughs) Yeah, dough, famously something that you stir in a pan while you scream. Stir in a pan. Um, I'm ready. Bring it on, he said, putting a napkin on his lap and getting a fork and spoon. You're so crazy. I love it, you said, putting a stack of cookies in front of him. Cookies that you eat with a fork and spoon. And you stir in a pan. Um, uh, now this batch has an extra teaspoon of sugar in it. Tell me if you taste the difference, you said, watching his eyes glow with happiness like a child on Christmas morning before taking a big bite of your masterpiece. <laughs> and then after the scenario, it says one of the funniest sentences I've ever seen, which is, so, will you keep him or nah? <laughs> or nah? <laughs> or nah? Um... <laughs> He's one of the puppies. He's being one of the puppies asked to adopt. Shelter. Um, <laughs> I'm so, obsessed with this person's understanding of how cookies are made. I love stirring the dough in the pan and then getting a fork and spoon and then instantly putting a stack of cookies down on the table. A stack of, was... of cooked, baked cookies that you just stirred out of your pan. <laughs> There's our, there's our first boyfriend for Launchpad. Happy birthday, Launchpad. We got you a sweetheart. Are you going to yeah, keep him? Yeah, we got you Drake Mallard. Congratulations. Or <laughs> not. He's, um, he's the best job of the animal shelter where he's helping puppies. 
He's just I did I really like um like just like the amorphous helping puppies. <laughs> I love helping puppies. <laughs> <laughs> like they have tasks they need to complete. <laughs> um Okay. Let's find so, up someone else. Okay. This next one is um not about what kind of guy, not what about what kind of guy is attracted to you. This is who is your mate? Oh, okay. Um, question one. This is seriously my first quiz, so please don't be hurtful. I'm really not good at these quizzes. Um, I do okay. like when the questions like talk to you. What is your yeah. favorite color? The answer is purple. Um, okay. Oh, it is actually. <laughs> yes, it literally is. This is sorry. Yeah, I, I remember you. I had I had to, listen, I had to disengage ourselves from our agenda for a second. Then he say that he really he really does likes literally purple. say that he really likes purple. So the other yeah. options are red, blue, pink, and white. So purple is genuinely the true answer. Okay, so like fuck it if you like green, I guess. Yeah, you're not allowed to like green. Green is not a real color. Um, okay, choose one. And here we're running into a problem because I don't know who any of these people are. I hope you know who one of these people is. Luke Hemmings, Alex nope. James. No. Brandon Lucas. No. Michael Davidson. And no. Andy Biersack. Who the fuck are these? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, people are made up. Okay. That's that's I think I, Okay. That's a good idea. I'll look for Aunt Okay. Andy. One of the first thing I've got was Luke Hemmings imagine. Okay. Andy Biersack. Oh, he's a, is... he's from Five Seconds of Summer. Okay, Andy Biersack is from Black Veil Brides. Okay. Brandon Lucas. Who are the? Can you give me another name? Brandon Lucas is not giving me much. Okay, um, one of the one of the first one of the results I got in Luke Hemmings Google search was Luke Hemmings IMDb, where the first thing mm-hmm. it says after his name is Luke Hemmings soundtrack Diary of a Wimpy Kid: The Long Haul. <gasps> oh my god! He acted in it. Who was he? Well, it says the first result I'm getting is Luke Hemming, Luke Robert Hemmings is an Australian singer songwriter um, and musician known for being a member of the Australian pop rock band Five Seconds of Summer. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the same guy because he's got the same birthday, but he was also an actor in Diary of Wimpykid, I guess. I guess. Okay. Okay. I can't find out. I, I, I cannot. Uh determine who Brandon Lucas is supposed to be because I'm not getting any I looked, like I looked it up and I got a bunch of, uh, of of Facebook profiles for just people named Brandon Lucas and obituary yeah okay so I don't know who this is um we also have Alex James and Michael Davidson Alex okay. James is in blur all right I got more My... obituaries awesome but he's a singer he's a singer and songwriter apparently but all I got here is a link to his Vivo. So this is such a mystery. What the fuck? Should we, Michael Davidson contributed one? to the Madonna movie. Who's that girl with track? Turn it up. Should Should we just choose one randomly? Um, okay. Um, I feel. You know what? Actually, I feel like Launchpad would like Five Seconds of Summer. I yeah, let's that's go for the Kevings. I Luke also Kevings. like it because I also like it because he he's from New South Wales, which is yes. where you're from. Yeah, that is where I'm from. Um, yeah. Hey, everybody. I live in Australia. Did you know that? Did you know? Um, <laughs> hey, did you know? Um, yeah, I think they're actually, uh, they were fairly, like, 
they were not like local local but I think I kind of vaguely knew where some of them were from um they were like hmm. the one direction um of Australia a little bit yeah um Anyway, so Luke Hemmings. So Launchpad McQuack has chosen Luke Hemmings. Um, like boys on front. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, boys on. Anyway. How you meet the park, at school, a concert, the beach, or best friends since diapers? I would think the beach. This sounds realistic. I think, I mean. Launchpad goes to a lot of exotic locales. He doesn't go to yeah. school. I don't think he goes I to don't the think... park. No, I think the beach is, is realistic. Um, yeah. How you break up. <gasps> he accuses you of cheating. Mm. He, he comes home late drunk. Mm. He cheats on you. Mm. He goes on tour and isn't able to be with you. Mm. Or he acts cool in front of his friends and makes fun of you. Okay, so what we know about... Launchpad's relationships is that he makes everyone better for having been with him. So I don't think he has any contentious breaks up breakups. I think they just grow apart. I don't I think, think this person. I don't think this person is aware enough of real relationships growing no. apart into their into their quiz. So I think going on tour is the closest we're gonna get. Yeah. Um, how you guys make up? Don't worry, you do get back together. At mm-hmm. concert, he says your name and asks you to come back. You both bump into each other at the park and catch up on things. He brings mm-hmm. you flowers and a teddy bear and comes to your door and asks you to forgive him. Mm-hmm. He proves to his friends that he loves you with all his heart and treats you fair. Or he writes you a note saying that he is sorry for all the trouble he has caused you. Okay, I feel like these are very geared towards the answers to the last question, but I think we can still disregard that entirely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like the... I feel like the most realistic way that um somebody like Launchpad would like like make up with an ex is that one there is nothing to make up. I think they would. I think bump into each other at the park and catch up on things is just the yeah. realistic answer because he yeah. just like he would just do that. He would just like meet an he ex. He would and just move like, on hey. with his life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think bump into each other at the park. Yeah. How he proposes. <sighs> At the beach with candles shaped as a heart and written, marry me. At a concert, he asks you to come up on stage and sings a song to you. Then he goes under one, go, goes down on one knee and asks you to marry him. <sighs> he gives you a teddy bear with a ring inside, <sighs> takes you to a romantic dinner, or asks you to come over to his house and shows you baby pictures of him and you. And then on the last page of the album, it says, marry me. Can I just derail this for a second? Yes. And propose Launchpad as those Twitter accounts with the boyfriend teddy bears. And they're, all the same <laughs> they're all just like an ad. They're like um, bots for advertising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Launchpad is the boyfriend who gives bear? you the huge teddy bear, though. Like he legitimately yeah, he is. is. Um, I like one of I like the, the the last answer to this one, which is the baby pictures of him and you, which is predicated upon the idea that you said that you've been friends since. Um, since I, I I I really like. I think our canon version of this is that you're not, but yeah. from <laughs> from diapers, and he's just sourced baby pictures of you and like photoshopped them together. <laughs> this is how we would have been friends. How <laughs> how do you think Launchpad would like to be proposed to? With words. I think, I think you can't do like you can't do huge, massive gestures because no, the concert is not it. I don't think. No, you have to. Uh, you have to make it very clear verbally what you're doing. 
Yes. I honestly, the romantic dinner is very, it's very simple, but I think that's yeah. nice. Yeah. I think the romantic dinner is nice. Um, how many kids do you want? None. One to three. I don't know if I want kids. I love kids. I'd rather have more than four or two. I think we have to say I love kids. I'd rather have more than four because he's got <laughs> five. He does have five children. Um, okay. Um, by the way, the the men, I think the men that were in the question who we didn't know are the options for our mate. So oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no. Luke Hemmings. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, congratulations, Launchpad. You you would, okay, and this is this, this, this is deciding some things about your life, by the way. You know how it was like we meet on the on the beach or whatever. No, you and Luke have been best friends since you were in diapers. Okay, he's in a band, Five Seconds of Summer. He likes music, the color blue, hanging out with his friends, and you. He hates <gasps> sluts, fake people, people who mess with his friends, and you. Um, and that is slots, then he he hates lunch. <laughs> um, this is an incredible. Oh my god, this is so long. Oh Jesus. Okay, let me summarize some of these. I don't want to read the entire thing because it'll take like ten years. Um, how he asks you out, like, I think the I think okay, so I think you go to high school with him. Um, mm-hmm. and he like asks you out. Your first date, um, you go to the park and he plays guitar for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you break up because he goes on tour and he can't see you anymore. Um, and you're really sad about it. But he's like, <laughs> he says, well, I'm going on tour and I won't be able to see you anymore. And I hate to see you sad. And I wish I could take you with me, but I can't. I'm really, really, really sorry. Okay. <laughs> what a shitty breakup. That um, sucks. You make up when, yeah, you, you, you meet him You meet him in the park, so that's nice. He propose as he takes out the photo album from when you were kids. Um, you and Luke got married in a church, and you have two beautiful kids, Hope and Cameron. Um, oh. Well, that's not enough. He... Those aren't the children. Yeah. <laughs> and then it has photos of, like, it has, like, stock photos of, like, a, a newborn, a toddler, and a kid, and a teen as, like, what they look like. Oh, okay. Um, so Luke Hemmings is our second boyfriend. Um, I really, 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 really want to do this one, which is called "Which Ghost Will Fall in Love with You." <gasps> yes, because I think it's time for Watchpad to get some um some supernatural some paranormal stuff. action. Exactly, it's what he's mm-hmm. and it's happened before. He's dated a were duck. Yeah. So I can't wait. For which this. ghost will fall in love with you? So first off, we have four pictures of, like, angel wings, which are just, like, different colours. And so what colour draws you in? Shimmering gold, midnight black, blood red, moonlight silver. Midnight black. Midnight black, I agree. Light or dark? Um, dark. Dark for darkwing duck. Yeah, this is where we're going with this. <laughs> he thinks it's cool. <laughs> He does. He's not he a dark awesome. person, but he thinks this shit is so cool. Mm. Which drink would you choose if given the selection? And there is a lot of choices here. Herbal tea that smells of a meadow after rain. 
coffee mm. with a creamy and smooth taste, mm. a cabinet of alcoholic drinks filled with an array of wines, whiskies, champagnes, and beers, hot chocolate, crisp spring water, no drink, mm. thank you, freshly juiced lemonade, or a warm glass of milk. A warm glass of milk. Mm. Yeah. I'm 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 inclined to say milk, honestly. Um, yeah. But hot chocolate is also possible. Mm. I think hot chocolate, actually. Hot chocolate. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Interesting question. How would you choose to die if you must? In a plane crash or not at all. We've, we've established this in this episode. Well, do you think that fits into suicide, terminal illness, murder, or a heroic act? That's a heroic act. A heroic act. (laughs) (laughs) What is your personality like? And this is multiple choice, so we can choose as many of these as we want. Okay, obsessive, no. Launchpad is not obsessive. Launchpad isn't clingy. I wouldn't say launchpad is flirty. Um, Mm. Launchpad calm. Hmm. He's charming, but he's not flirty. Confident? Yes, he is confident. Confident. Intelligent? I'm sorry, but no. you're not intelligent. Cute? Yes, you're cute. Cheery? Yes. Bubbly? Yeah. Funny? Yes. Reserved? Mm-hmm. No. Musical? It's an interesting personality trait. Mm. He does sing the Darkwing Duck theme song. Yeah, and, um, I think... If we were doing, I think if we were doing Dewey, that would be, uh, yeah. Yeah, so do you think confident, cute, cheery, bubbly, and funny is kind of sums up uh, Launchpad? Yeah. I think that sounds good. I think it does. Speak your mind and face confrontation or stay silent, but your opinions are unheard? Strange question. Um, Confrontation, if I can change their opinion, I'll try, or stay silent, or I take the risk of causing conflict. And confrontation, probably. He's a hero. He likes being a hero. Yeah, he does like being a hero. Confrontation. If you didn't need to sleep, what would you do with your extra time? Hang out with friends? Read? Tinker with strange trinkets? Compose compose music or other? I mean, hang out Mm. with friends, probably. Uh, Launchpad loves his friends. He wouldn't read, he wouldn't compose music, he wouldn't tinker, I don't think so. Well, he'd tinker with his plane, but not with strange trinkets. So then it's between hang out with friends and other. Mm, I think he would hang out with friends. I mean, I, th- I would say hang out with friends. Choose a melody which speaks to your soul. I am not going to listen to any of these pieces of music. <sighs> oh god, no. We have the Phantom of the Opera theme, Memory, Victor's solo, and Dorian's theme. If that's Memory from... um. Cats. <laughs> ah. I'm gonna choose that one, honestly. <laughs> I don't think Launchpad likes musicals, um, or like listens to like cat classical musicals. Mm. But um that's just what I've chosen. Okay. We have Lucas. Um mm. the item that summons him. Okay. <gasps> Sword. Oh. Um Oh my god, these are so long. Okay, let me summarize. He was twenty three when he died. He's confident, flirty, with a sense of humor and a playful nature. Um, he died when he was challenged to a duel to win the heart of a girl he wasn't in love with. Um, <gasps> Lucas. Lucas. He was best friends with the girl, an admirer of the girl, challenged him to a duel, um, and then was killed. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. 
Thank how you met him? Us. How you met him? You recently moved into your inherited mansion and were sitting in the living room. <gasps> I think I like this idea where um, like all of like the rest of the Duck family like all die in some mysterious accident and the launch pad inherits the mansion. Um, so fucked up. Um, so then you pick up a sword that's on the wall. A tall, handsome man appears in front of you when you pick up the ghost sword. <laughs> Good day. My name is Lucas. He grinned and took your hand, placing a delicate kiss on the back. Um, <gasps> your breath quickened and you panicked. You knew he was probably going to kill you with that sword. <gasps> <laughs> Lucas! Um, but it's fine because then you pass out and Lucas catches you and um, of course uh, you wake up in bed. Um, you think it was a dream, but then you see a note on your bedside table which says, My sincere apologies for frightening you yesterday. I may have gotten swords or a threatening weapon. Nevertheless, I hope you're well rested. I've made you breakfast as an apology. I wish I may see you soon. You smiled at the note. It was all just a misunderstanding. I'd forgotten <laughs> that swords were a threatening weapon. Yeah, so um, there's Lucas, our third boyfriend. Um, what do you think of one more boyfriend? Let's do one more boyfriend, I think. Um, we need to, now we I'll need give... to, we need to flesh out Launchpad's romantic life a bit more. I so think. I'll give you I'll give you the choice of a couple, which I have picked out. So we can give Launchpad a boyfriend from The Avengers. Oh. Um, a YouTuber boyfriend. Oh. Or a Big Bang Theory character. <gasps> Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> um. Oh, good God. <laughs> the first question on this list is already incredible and um, kind of reminds me of uh, why I don't regularly watch The Big Bang Theory. Which disorder would you be most willing to cope with? <gasps> oh, is, it, is ADHD there? No. We have OCD, selective mutism, transient idiopathic arrhythmia and irregular heartbeat, or lactose intolerance. Let's say lactose intolerance. <laughs> That's my favorite disorder. Um, what area of concentration do you find the most fascinating? Theoretical physics, experimental physics, engineering, or astrophysics? Probably engineering. Yeah. He flies a plane. He doesn't know physics. No. <sighs> oh my god. Would you prefer? Would you prefer your boyfriend to be fluent in a plethora of different languages? tell you about constellations in the night sky, be adept at literature and history as well as the sciences, or teach you elementary physics. Now, Launchpad does like stargazing. He does. I will say this. So I would say tell you about constellations because I think that would be cute. That's nice. Um, okay, we have some quotes from the Big Bang Theory here to choose from. Quote one is, Oh, well, this would be one of those circumstances that people unfamiliar with the law of large numbers would call a coincidence. That was very funny. Number two is, but if she dumps you, she'll have a new boyfriend by tomorrow morning and you'll have a new girlfriend when you figure out how to build one. That was really funny. Mm -hmm. Number three is, when I was 10 years old, I built a hugging machine. I stuffed it with an electric blanket so it would be warm and built two radio-controlled arms that could hug me and pat my back. Really cool. Okay. And number four, which is already my pick for launch pad. Because it's, if I could speak the language of rabbits, they would be amazed and I would be their king. I would be kind to my rabbit subjects at first, 
One day, I hold a great ball for the president of France, but the rabbits don't come. I'm embarrassed, so I eat all the lettuce in the world, and I make the rabbits watch. That's it. That's the only one that Launchpad would ever conceivably say. <laughs> That's it. Um, how do you approach relationships? Objectively, love is biochemical. Patiently, genuine love and respect develop over time. Romantically, you perceive love as beautiful and tend to be emotional and enthusiastic when it comes to relationships. Or sexually, you are passionate, physical, and sensual. I hate option four. Taking that off the table. Oh. Taking option one off the table as well. Launchpad does not know what biochemical means. No, he does not at all. It's, it's, it's an even toss-up between romantically and patiently, honestly. Like, it could be either. Yeah. Hmm. Genuine love and respect develop over time, or you perceive love as beautiful. Maybe romantically. I would say that. Romantically. romantically. Choose the answer that most closely resembles your personality. And these are answers with many character traits in each one. So we have extroverted, warm, caring, people-oriented, colourful, charming, sensitive, dramatic, and artist. Number two, we have... Logical, rational, introverted, meticulous, ambitious, confident, a thinker. No. Number three, patient, understanding, compassionate, dependable, loving, responsible, kind-hearted, and nurturer slash giver. Or number four, a visionary, light-hearted, tolerant, supportive, funny, passionate, inspiring, enthusiastic, a leader. Hmm. hmm. I mean, extroverted, warm, caring, people-oriented, colourful, charming, sensitive. Yeah, he's not really dramatic though, and he's not really an artist. He's an artist of crashing. He's kind of dramatic. Yeah. He was pretty yeah. dramatic when he thought he was dying. <laughs> okay, but to be fair, he thought he was dying. Okay, this is true. Fuck. Hmm, a visionary? He's not really a vision. He's not really a visionary. But he is lighthearted, tolerant, supportive, funny, passionate, inspiring, enthusiastic. Or I th- See, the problem is that each of these answers has one that isn't quite right. Mm. Mm. he's not an artist I, I think I'm getting tripped up on artist and leader because it's not really either of those I might go with extroverted warm caring people oriented colourful charming sensitive dramatic and artist because I, I think that hits more of them yeah he's very charming which Star Trek character do you like the best Ooh. <sighs> Captain okay, Kirk what are, what are our options because this Captain is my area of expertise we have Captain Kirk Scotty, Mr. Spock, or the red shirt guy that always dies. These are shitty fucking options. <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna say Scotty. Mm-hmm. I don't know Star Trek. Do you want to give some justification? Okay, so Captain Kirk, I think, would be the obvious answer. He's the confident everyman. He's a playboy. He's um a bit of a Mary Sue. He's He's kind of the proto Picard mm-hmm. in that he's not uh he's he's not rounded off enough as a character. He can do basically whatever is required of him in the scene. Um mm-hmm. because the kind of writers were too attached to him being like this great captain to uh to give him meaningful flaws. Um Spock, we all know Spock. Scotty is the hardworking engineer who is amusingly Scottish mm-hmm. and famous phrase you know beam me up scotty which is never said um yes i did and, know that uh, piece of trivia yeah but uh that he's basically always overworked that there's this kind of continued thing of uh 
how long will it take to repair the damage to the ship? Oh, it'll take 48 hours. Do it in two or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, that's not how anything works, you bitch. But um, that's just kind of what Scotty has to put up with. Um, so I think, I think, uh, I, I, I think, I think Launchpad would be, uh, would be sympathetic to Scotty. I think he'd find him charming. I like that. I like that justification. Mm. So the Big Bang Theory character that you should date is Leonard. Oh. Probably, I mean, I was going to say the, the, the least offensive of these options, but they're all kind of pretty terrible. Um, yeah. Um. He has an IQ of 173. That seems crazy not high. Im- yeah. I'm still not impressed. Um, he can play the cello, has sleep apnea, and is lactose intolerant. Fair enough. Um, we don't have a scenario for this one, like how we meet or anything. It's just like, you should date Leonard. Um, You're dating Leonard now. Which is a little bit a little bit grim for Launchpad, I think. I don't think that they would get along very well. No, I think this is a bad time for Launchpad. I think we failed him. I think, okay, well, to be fair, we got him a sweetheart, we got him Luke Hemmings, we got him Luke... They're all L names! Hold on. Oh, shit. <laughs> we've, gotten him, we've gotten him a harem of L names. Yeah, and also... Lucas, Luke and the, sweet, the unnamed sweetheart. The unnamed sweetheart. I mean, I'm choosing to believe that the sweetheart that we got him is Darkwing. Yeah, okay, that's nice. So that's, have, kinda, have... that's kinda how we answer that one anyway. <laughs> Oh god. Well, Leonard Lucas, Luke Hemmings and Darkwing Duck the Sweetheart. I mean, some of these are okay. I think Lucas is fun. He's a he's a cool yeah. ghost sword. That's cool. I like, I like Lucas. Lucas is fun. Luke Hemmings is kind of a bit um mediocre cuz he he apparently have been friends since since we were in diapers. But I don't think that's true. I don't I don't think you know what? I don't think like Luke Hemmings did know Launchpad when he was in diapers. I think that's not true. I just don't think he did. I don't believe that. Um, and also, Luke Hemmings hates sluts, so there's a base incompatibility here. Yeah, that is a problem for Launchpad. If we really, I think we really failed him. This. I feel really bad now. I feel like <laughs> I really feel like we fucked it up. I feel so bad. I'm sorry, Launchpad. We were just trying to give him a good. Uh... We were just trying to give him a good, a good boyfriend, and we got him two we duds. We got him Leonard. <laughs> we got him Leonard. Jesus, what a nightmare! What a grim note to end this episode on. I'm sorry, Launchpad. I feel terrible. I'm, Launchpad, I'm so so sorry. You had a I terrible can't believe day. We've done this to you. I'm so sorry, Launchpad. This is a personal apology from me to you. I am sorry for giving you. Two terrible boyfriends. The other two are okay, but two of them are kind of unforgivably bad. I'm sorry. It's bad. We did a bad. Maybe, maybe launch pad can make the best of a bad situation. Maybe he will make these people better. Um, because I mean, it is true maybe. that everyone who Launchpad dates is a better person for having known him. So maybe we can look forward to to Leonard from the Big Bang Theory being a better person in the future i mean hopefully (laughs) i just i just don't think it's realistic (laughs) all right should we um should we take to the close then in that case (laughs)
I think so. I'm sorry, Lashad, for such a depressing episode. Um, <laughs> I think I think with the whole George Mallory thing, we were kind of doomed to have a bit of a depressing one. <laughs> Unfortunately. If you have any information regarding Dimwitty's disappearance or any information that might lead to his capture, let us know at Dear Dimwitty on Twitter or email us at DearDimwitty at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk to us about DuckTales, that's fine too. <laughs>